Amen. We sound that battle cry as we trust and obey. 414, trust and obey. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey. song 365 365 I'm a child of the king amen 365 <clears throat> comes 
prayer list if you need one um uh, did brother george has it raise your hand there and you can uh, get one and uh, so in spite of the horrible storm of 06 uh, we had 58 this morning um if we had uh, listened to the news broadcast at all i am sure that uh uh, I don't know about you, but if they don't have a crisis, it just seems they need to make one. And uh, so just uh, praise the Lord that we did have those who were willing to come out and uh, want to praise the Lord for a great trip to Heartland. Uh, there were actually many things accomplished uh, on the trip. Uh, some of you may or may not remember Brother Monette. But as I was describing to him some of the work we're doing with the building renovations, he said, well, I'll come down and tape all your sheetrock for you. And uh, if you know me very well, I love doing all the work, but uh, there's just one part of that I cannot and, and do not do very well, only do under duress, and that's taping sheetrock. Uh, and so uh, the Lord knew about that, so that's an answer to prayer. And... Um, he also gave us some good advice on the ceiling and different things. We had a good time with Carolina and Anita. Got to see them for uh, a little bit of time. And uh, uh, we'll talk about this more. But you need to really keep Anita in prayer for the next couple of weeks. There's just some things going on. But praise the Lord, she's doing uh, as well as can be expected. Um, should know something within about the next 10, 12 days on her school bill as to whether we're going to have to help out again. Uh, but we'll just keep that in prayer. So just, uh, and uh, Carolina is uh, adapting well. She's got, uh, uh, she is one of the, what they call RAs. Uh, that is uh, 
she's the one that rats out the other students for doing bad things. But uh, no, that's actually a good job, and she's uh, doing very well. And uh, she even sang in one of the groups that was there this week uh, while we were there in the meeting. And uh, the preaching was good, and uh, just uh, we were able to give away about, uh, oh, let's see, a little over $500 in cash and promises for a little bit more uh, there to people starting churches. And uh, if you want to know where that money came from, uh, we have a, uh, a fund here at the church. It's just royalties that uh, are paid off of the songs uh, that Joey has written. And uh, so we kind of emptied that account and went down. There are uh, about 70 different church planners uh, presenting their works. That's men that are actually either going to be very soon starting church or already starting a church. Uh, all over the country, different places, and uh, and uh, some of them are going through some incredible hardships, and yet they're just out there doing what they need to do. And so we praise the Lord for that. And um, let's see if there's anything else. Okay, I think that's about all of mine. Anybody else got any praises to add to the list tonight? been a rough week, huh? Um, so, uh, yes, praise the Lord, Peter was able to go to the meeting. Uh, Rhoda? Amen. Praise the Lord. Sharon? That's not funny. That's a praise. We've been there, done that. When they start sleeping through the night, that is time to rejoice in the Lord. Amen? And uh, if you aren't familiar with that process, uh, don't worry about it. But uh, it, uh, take our word for it. It is a great uh, accomplishment. Praise the Lord. Um, anything else? Uh, Brother Ted? Amen. Praise the Lord. Okay, Brother George. Yes, amen. Praise the Lord. It didn't break down till you got home. That is a blessing. Okay. Paul. Amen. Praise the Lord for each one that's here. Did I see another hand? Oh, okay, we're winning. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you that we can praise you at all times. We thank you for the work that you are doing. Lord, we thank you for the fact that there are uh, many uh, people out there, just a small number of which was at this meeting uh, last week. And, uh, Lord, that there are many churches being started around this country. 
And Lord, good churches, churches that believe the Bible, churches that are not going to sell out to the world or, or try to market uh, the message of the gospel. Lord, we're, we're thankful that we were able to have a little part in helping some of them. Lord, we're thankful for the faithfulness of those that were here this morning and those that were here tonight. Lord, we're thankful for your working in our lives and the fact that we can trust you regardless of what's going on around us. We thank you for your ever love and your care for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, let's stand and turn to page 10. Page number 10. <clears throat> oh, for a thousand tongues to sing. <clears throat> Tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise, live glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. My gracious Master and my God assist me to proclaim, to spread through all the earth abroad the honors of Thy name. Jesus, the name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrow cease. Tis music in the sinner's ears, tis life and health and peace. He breaks the power of canceled sin, he sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest clean, his blood avail for me. Take your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And just put a little context here. Uh, of course, the Corinthian church was, um, how shall we say this kindly, the troubled church of the New Testament. And it um, was in a very worldly and wicked city. A lot of influences there. And and uh, Paul is writing here his second letter to the Corinthians. And uh, we're going to try to go through chapter 3. And, uh, but uh, we want to spend most of our time uh, on the last uh, four, four or so verses of this chapter. But in order to keep things in context, we just start in verse 1. It says, Do we begin again to commend ourselves, or need we as some others epistles of commendation to you, or letters of commendation from you, ye are our epistle written in our hearts, known and read of all men, forasmuch as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshy tables of the heart. For such trust have we through Christ to God's word. Now, what Paul's doing here is he is trying to make a statement here. He's trying to help the Corinthians understand something. Hey, we're not starting over again. Paul says, you know, uh, don't I have the right 
to tell you a few things. He said, don't you know who I am? Paul, of course, was the man that started the church at Corinth, the one that God used to win many of those people to the Lord and get this thing going. And Paul says, listen, uh, we don't need all those things. He says, your own testimony, your lives are the epistle or the letter that proves that God did something in the city of Corinth. You are living testimonies of the work of Christ. Now, isn't that a wonderful thing, wonderful thought? And, and that's what God wants in our lives. Now, here's what was going on in Corinth, and I don't know, uh, I can't see what's going on in every life at every moment in our church, but every once in a while, I'll tell you, you, you get, um, oh, how shall we say it? We get the pipes clogged or, or just get bogged down a little bit with life or we get uh, uh, used to our Christianity. We forget how wonderful and how truly special that it really is. And the things that we should be doing can almost become a burden to us. And uh, when we have an excuse, we just step back a little bit. And we have to watch for those things. And that's basically the overall line of this chapter. And, and Paul begins in, in verse 5. He said, not, as, uh, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God, who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Now, again, this is one of those verses that people love in the Bible. And they say, we don't believe in a bunch of rules. We just go as the Spirit leads. You know, as the Bible says, follow your heart. Now, let me ask you, does the Bible say follow your heart? No, it says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Why would you want to follow your heart? Amen. Uh, you better be careful because uh, as we come through here, he's saying what he is dealing with is if we get into a relationship with God where we just have this little checklist of things that we're doing to make ourselves Christians, we are putting ourselves under bondage and we're going to get into trouble. Now, it says... The Spirit giveth life. When you do things to just to get them done, you will put so much effort into those things. Amen? I mean, how many of you have swept the house because the house needed to be swept? But then you get in the mood to clean. Do you know the difference between two? Maybe maybe you don't get in the mood to clean. Um, my wife gets afraid when I get in the mood to clean. Uh, I used to be a janitor. I used to do commercial office buildings and and all of that. And boy, when I get in the mood to clean, you better watch out. I mean, the stove's coming out and the floorboards are coming up and the cabinets are getting pulled out and put back in. I mean, you just get in the mood and, and you enjoy it because you just feel so much better when it's all done. Am I the only one like that? Everybody's looking at me like I got three heads. Okay, I got a couple out there. And uh, 
That's the difference between the Spirit and the letter. Just a little illustration. When we do things because we have to do them, we get them done. When we do something because the Spirit is in it, not only do we get it done, we have joy getting it done. And when it's all finished, we've worked twice as hard as we would normally have to or as uh, the circumstance would even ask us to work. And when we're done, we've got the biggest smile on our face and satisfaction in our soul when we put that tired body to bed at night and we say, boy, that was a good day. Now, God wants us to live that way. But... How do we get there? Now that's the question, amen? Because as human beings, we run out of energy quick. We, we've, uh, Jesus told Peter, he said what? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And so Paul launches into a difference the differences, a, a little co uh, commentary here on the difference between the law and grace. And we have a tendency when we talk about the law of God to just push it aside and say, you know, that's the law. We live under grace. It's so much better here. We just enjoy it under grace. And I'll tell you, I am glad and I praise the Lord that I live under grace and not under law. I'm glad that I don't have to take little lambs to the tabernacle and bullocks and rams and doves and all of these animals and kill those animals. And, and uh, you know, it was the job of the eldest son... It was the job of the father, the head of that family. When someone in his family sinned, he had to take that sacrifice to the door and kill that sacrifice with his own hands and help the priest as the blood was gathered and as the sacrifice was partaken of. That was his job. I'm glad I don't have to do that. But let's not forget something. The law was a glorious and wonderful thing. Look what it says in verse 6. But if the ministration of death, written and engraven in stones, was glorious, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of his countenance, which glory was to be done away, how shall not the ministration of the Spirit be rather glorious? How many of you remember the story of Moses? The second time on Mount Sinai. The first time he came down and the children of Israel worshiping the golden calf and he took those stones that God had written the Ten Commandments on and he threw them down the side of the mountain and they were shattered into a thousand pieces. And he ground up that golden calf and it says he strewed it on the water. He sprinkled it on the drinking water. Now... Uh, uh, many of you remember Bob Mack, our missionary to Ivory Coast. He did a study on that one time, and uh, he said that the um, results of having that gold dust sprinkled on the water and having drunk it would be quite cathartic. 
um, I mean, uh, uh, it, it would um, be a great purgative, uh, shall we say, uh, that the uh, children of Israel would have been occupied for several days after having drink, drunk that gold dust sprinkled water. And uh, if you have any questions, you can go um, to the health food store and buy colloidal silver, if you're familiar with that. And it's supposed to collect all the impurities in your body and help get rid of it. Anything silver does, gold does better. Uh, it's just a lot more expensive. And so uh, Moses, the first time he was on Mount Sinai, when he came down, was not a pleasant experience all the way around. Uh, can we suffice to say that? Uh, the results were long-lasting, and uh, there were people that died uh, because of their false worship to God, uh, to the false gods that they had made with their own hands. And yet Moses went back up there and spent a second 40 days. And God gave him another set of tablets of stone. And when Moses came down off the mountain, nobody could look him in the face. He had been looking in the face of God for 40 days. And a little bit of that glory had stuck. And it says his face glowed. It was so bright that the children of Israel could not look him in the face. And that he literally had to put a veil or a hood over his face so that he could talk to the children of Israel. It said, but when he went into the tabernacle, he took the veil off between him and God. Now, Paul's saying that's how wonderful God's law is. It is such a privilege. I don't know, I, I seem to be stuck on the Word of God here of late, but uh, if I'm going to have a hobby horse, I'll take that one any day, amen? But how glorious it is to hold in your hands the very words of God. God spelled out everything He wanted the children of Israel to do. And as we've gone through the tabernacle here in, in some detail, uh, at least twice or no, three times in the history of our church, we've gone through that tabernacle looking at all the types and the pictures that are in there. And uh, we'll have a very shortened version Thursday night as as we're still finishing up the types and prophecies of, of, of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament, it was an amazing thing that you would be able to bring an animal to the tabernacle and later to the temple and kill that animal and sprinkle its blood. And the Bible says that God accepted that as an atonement or the rolling back of the penalty of sin. Now in these last days, nearly 2,000 years ago, Jesus appeared to fulfill the law. If the law was that glorious, how much more wonderful is the work that Jesus has done? And so we come down here and uh, just verse 11, For if that which is done away was glorious, much more that which remaineth is glorious. Seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. 
and not as Moses, which put a veil over his face that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which was abolished, but their minds were blinded. For unto this day remaineth the same veil, untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Nevertheless, when it shall turn to the Lord, the veil shall be taken away. Now, we want to get into the crux of our time tonight, what the main part we want to bring. How many of you remember when this book called the Bible was just a mystery? I mean, you're religious. You went to church. You did the best you can. Studied the Bible. You, uh, not like you do now, because it didn't make any sense. Amen? That veil covered your heart, and then when you turned that heart to the Lord, all of a sudden the veil was taken away. We do not speak in parables and mysteries. We speak plainly. We speak honestly between each other and the Lord. And there, there are just some things that need to happen in our life. But what we want, now again, we're, we're going back to the beginning, the difference between the Spirit and the letter. Look at verse 17. It says, Now the Lord is that Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Now, we've got to put this in the context of the rest of the chapter. I've heard preachers preach sermons on this passage where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty so I can do whatever I want. Is that what it's talking about? Absolutely not. God wants to give us liberty, freedom to be obedient to His Word. That's where we get back to when we do things and enjoy them, when we get contentment and peace and satisfaction out of getting something done. And many times we'll put ten times the effort into that thing than we normally would when we're just trying to drag ourselves through another day. And the difference is the Spirit of the Lord. When we do things motivated by the Spirit of the Lord... It's a completely different ball game than when we just do things to try to get them done. The Spirit of the Lord gives us liberty. That freedom is to be used to be obedient to the Word of God. And the Bible always explains the Bible. And so we look at this next verse and and uh, if you've just read this verse on your own and you pick up almost any commentary that'll say this is a very difficult verse to understand, but put it in the light of the verse preceding it. It says, But we all, with an open face, beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, magic mirrors 
have always been a part. Now, when I said magic mirrors, everybody's head went, what's Pastor talking about? And, and uh, I mean, it's always been a part of all the fairy tales and all of those things. Well, this is, uh, for all practical purposes, the best magic mirror that man has ever heard of. I mean, you remember the, what was it, uh, the witch would look in the mirror and say, who's the fairest of them all? And the mirror would tell her uh, Snow White was, and she'd want to break the mirror, right? Uh, no, here's what the Bible tells us. It says, for we all, if you are saved, we have an open face. There's no veil covering us. There's no separation between us and God right now. And we are beholding the glory of God in a mirror. Now, how do you behold the glory of God in a mirror? You go down to the furniture store? Buy a mirror? No. You've got one right here. James chapter 1. The mirror of the word of the Lord. This mirror. Oh, let's, we got a minute. Let's turn James chapter 1. Don't want to skip over and just make a statement and not back it up with Scripture. James chapter 1. Look at verse 22. And we're going to read down here. It says, For But be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man, if any, I'm sorry, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And it is used as a picture. The, this book, this word called the Bible, is the mirror. It shows us the glory of God right here. It is called the perfect law of liberty. How much freedom has come into your life by obeying the words of this book called the Bible. Have you ever thought about that? You know what? You're free from regret. You're free from indecision. You're free from trying to have to figure it all out on your own. You're free from all of the rules and the regulations. If I am right with God... I don't have to listen to all these crud balls out here with all these religious rules that I have to follow and hoops I have to jump through and things I'm supposed to do to fit into their little regulation. Amen? I'm free from all that. I mean, have you ever thought about all the religious stuff that people do? I mean, there's... Uh, I don't know what the name of it, what sect it comes unto, but some part of Hinduism where they walk on burning coals and don't burn their feet. Now, aren't you glad you don't go to a church like that? And, uh, you know, there's... Um, some people read uh, these uh, Buddhist monks. I mean, there are hundreds of thousands of pages 
of information that was written down by these people who all thought they were gods. And, and as a Buddhist, you're supposed to read and study all these things. I mean, uh, I remember all the Confucius jokes when I was a kid. Remember those, you know, man who was beside himself, make very interesting picture and, and uh, all that kind of stuff. But the simple truth of the matter is people take journeys of hundreds of miles on their knees. Many of them are so destroy their so destroy their bodies that they will never walk again. Because their religious ritual tells them that if they'll do this, somehow they'll get favor with God. I mean, you got all this bondage and rules. And yet, we live a stricter life than any of them do. But we do so in freedom because we're clean and we're free from all of the hooks and the bondage and the desires and the problems of this world. And the way that happens is you look and you behold the glory of the Lord. And as you behold the glory of the Lord, it says, are changed into the same image from glory to glory. As you behold His glory, it rubs off. Get it later. Uh, as you behold His glory, it changes you. Until one day we're going to be with Him in heaven forever. It says, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but we live in discouraging days. Or am I the only one, huh? I mean, we live in discouraging days. I mean, think a lot of rotten things are going on in this country. A lot of rotten things are going on around the world. And I'll tell you, the world is getting ready for Antichrist. It's not going to take much. I mean, uh, the events of the book of Revelation could begin to happen within weeks. I mean, there, there is just absolutely nothing stopping, nothing to hinder the emergence of this man, Antichrist, taking over the whole world in a matter of days, hours. You say, well, America would stand in the way. Well, maybe 50 years ago. But you just look at all that's going on. We live in fearful times. And if my relationship to Christ is dependent on a bunch of little rules and regulations that I or some other guru set up, what confidence do you have toward God? But if we'll just behold that glory, need to get alone with Jesus, amen? And just let Him change you. You cannot know Jesus and not have it rub off, amen? I like what the little boy, he was, it's just a joke, but he was talking to his father and he said, how big was Jesus? said, well, I, I mean, Jesus, what, what do you mean, son? Jesus is God. He fills the whole universe. No, no, no. I mean, when Jesus was a man, how big was he? Uh, 
Well, we don't really know. I mean, he was uh, a normal Jewish man. Everybody recognized him as such. And, and Well, about how tall would that make him, Dad? And he says, come on, kid, I don't know. I wasn't there. Must be some relation to you, huh? And uh, he said he, he would have had to have been a little over five foot, maybe maybe almost six foot. We don't know. And Well, Dad, I'm only four foot and I'm saved. And the Bible says Jesus is living in my heart. Now, if he's living there, wouldn't he be sticking out? Now, that describes it. Amen. That's what we want. We want the Lord Jesus to change us. The way we do that is we look in a glass. But what we're looking at is not our reflection. Because we don't need to see us, amen? We need to see the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we behold that glory, as we know more about Jesus, He changes us. And we take that glow with us into the world in which we live. And instead of our Christianity becoming a set of rules of do's and don'ts and try and try harders, the Spirit is there giving us joy in what we do. And at the winter depression and all of those things going on, we need just a little shot of joy. Amen? Of that freedom, of that liberty that the Spirit gives us. And God does all the work. I mean, let's go back. Verse, I think it was verse 5 here. It says, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. He's the one that has made us ministers of something greater than the law of Moses. That's not because the law of Moses wasn't great. But what Jesus did was even greater. So much greater that there's absolutely no comparison. I get to start jury duty uh, this Friday, calling back to see if they want. Last time, the, if some of you might remember the story, the prosecuting attorney said, can you, as a preacher, make a judgment? And I said, oh, yeah, I have no problem with that. I said, that's what the Bible says. We, we look at what's going on and we apply it to life and we make judgments. And I said, I have no problems with that. And uh, she being a little whatever she was said, but, but you can't bring the Bible into this courtroom. Can you just look at the laws of this land? And I said, well, last time I checked, all the laws of this land were based upon this book. And I didn't hold it up like this, but I, ha I just happened to have it sitting there. Again. I said, based upon this book, I got a high five from the bailiff on the way out. I mean, he, uh, needless to say, I didn't make the jury. <laughs> but I got my little paper that said they couldn't call me back for four years. And uh, so now time's up and they're calling me back again. And uh, we'll see uh, if they want me to be a juror. But uh, I'll tell you, we live in a country two and a half million laws on the federal rule books, and every one of them is trying to explain the Ten Commandments. 
Ten Commandments are pretty good. Amen? We can't do what they accomplished in two and a half million laws. But Jesus is better. His glory is greater. And we're ministers of the New Testament. His glory is supposed to reflect through our lives and change us so that we become more like Jesus. And all God's people say, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night. Lord, just pray that we could gain some encouragement and strength from your word. Lord, that we would take that time to behold your glory. To look into that glass of your word. And praise God, we don't have to look at ourselves and our weakness and our frailties. But we can look at your glory. And Lord, it says that the Holy Spirit will change us and conform us to that glory. Lord, we just ask that you would do your work. In Jesus' name, before we finish that prayer, before we say amen, maybe you'd like to just pray in your seat or step out and spend a few moments at an altar. We'll just open it up for a short time of prayer.